Hello and welcome to the Glass Moon podcast. I'm Carol Edmund, the founder of Glass Moon. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of communication as we go through our first uh, COVID Christmas, and in particular, how critical coaching can be and how beneficial it can be in the workplace. And with me today, I've got two guests who I'm very excited to join me, Tracy Kite and Alex Morgan. Welcome to both of you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Really excited to be here. Uh, and also really excited to be talking about coaching and, uh, and communication uh, through what might be a difficult time this, this Christmas with COVID on our doorsteps. Indeed, Tracy, I think I think it will be. It's going to challenge a few of us, myself included. And Alex, welcome. How are you? Yeah, yeah, also good. Thank you. Um, I should be delighted because my daughter's coming home from university on on Saturday. So looking forward to that. Fantastic. Right. Well, I'm uh, I'm sporting my Christmas hats, my Santa Christmas hat. So <laughs> trying to get into the festivities. Great. Well, listen, we're going to talk about um, communication um, and we're going to talk about coaching. And I think one of the things that's really sort of struck me this year is, look, communication in organisations is absolutely critical at any point. But since we've all gone to working from home, working remotely, working virtually, I think it's really emphasised just how important communication is in times of uncertainty and exponential change. Tracy is a leadership and learning specialist of more than 20 years and a qualified psychological coach. She's also a qualified mother and grandmother to four boys. Tracy published her first book in 2017 called Love to Lead and it's available on Amazon. It's definitely worth a read and a very good stocking filler. Tracy has published numerous articles from her doctoral research on topics relating to coaching and collaborative leadership. Alex has been coaching for 20 years and specialises in coaching senior executives, many of whom work internationally, which gave rise to her doctoral research in communication and inclusion in international teams. This year, Alex joined the corporate development team at De Montfort University as coach trainer, leading their postgraduate certificate in professional coaching. Welcome to both of you. And so, Communication is really critical in organisations at any time, but this year, as we've come into a global pandemic, I think the need to communicate, given that we're working remotely, we're working virtually, many of us are working from home, and there's just so much uncertainty and so much change. So what, what would you say are the most critical things that an organisation needs to be thinking about, Tracy, in relation to communication? Well, I think it's it's the human things around a time of uncertainty and, and lots of change, because I think we've all done the learning around the creativity that change can bring uh, and, and the innovation and those opportunities that are uncertainty uh, can bring us as teams. But actually, there's the human uh, point around what does change mean for me on a deeply basic human level? And we can't move away from, it makes us feel afraid. It's, uh, it makes us feel fear around what's gonna change, how, how am I gonna cope with that? Where's my position in that? So communication is the way that teams and leaders need to, to bring about that notion of, let's be human about this, let's air our, feelings, our fear, the emotion that sits around that. 
Uh, and, and human brains tend to uh, be less rational in times of fear. They turn inwards and we, we tell ourselves stories. We disasterize the whole situation. And by the time you've had that sleepless night where you've come, you've come to the morning and, and you know the whole world is a disaster, uh, we, we live that kind of fear all the time. So I think communication is about sharing that, sharing those thoughts and fears, um, enabling people to feel comfortable to, to air it so that we can be rational. We can talk about it. We can, we can think about our emotions and our emotional responses in the workplace to turn things back to a more rational, more real place to work from. Sure, I think I think that's absolutely right, and I think if ever there was a year that was going to test all of that, Tracy, it, it's this year and this COVID context that we're in. And so, Alex, what have you seen that's been different this year in relation to communication and, and how critical it is in organisations? Well, yeah, well, I think we've had some case studies of uh, really poor communication that the comedians have, you know, made mincemeat of, like the, you know, go to work, don't go to work, go to the pub, don't go to the pub. Uh, those are kind of classic poor communication vignettes, really, aren't they? And so, uh, and it's made me reflect on, well, what do we really need from our leaders in terms of communication and I think it's quite straightforward I mean if we look across the world at leaders who we think might have done this really well um, they've simply had the courage to tell the truth uh, they've been really clear so they've had clarity around uh, their plans um, and they've had courage to review those plans and uh, and also we've seen the ones that are doing it well, we've seen them deeply care about others, you know, echoing Tracy's um, comments about, let's be human about this. And the, the, the leadership communication that's really resonated with me, and I know that I'm not alone, is, is seeing those that really show empathy and deep caring as a leader. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, again, if ever we've needed to really kind of connect as human beings and see people as people, it's mm. been brought to the fore on, on so many levels, not just as a function of, of COVID and the global pandemic. Um, and of course, Alex, you work with people, uh, not just in the UK, you work with people internationally. And so what, what would you say is really key relative to communication where people um, don't have English as their first language? Well, I think I was talking about clarity earlier, and uh, clarity is is the key. Um, and so, as you know, I've been doing a doctorate around helping international teams who's, who use English to communicate, you know, helping them to know what the best ways to communicate are. Um, and, you know, top of the list is clarity. And, and you can create clarity by stripping your language out of unnecessary clutter you know in international meetings I've heard people say things like you know it swings and roundabouts I'm on the fence uh, we need to go the extra mile uh, those again those kind of phrases whilst they can be learned and they can be learned in context by um, by advanced language learners um, most of the times they're just clutter and they're unnecessary and if we just use the words that we actually mean it can be uh, much more accessible to those that whose first language is not English um, and by making your 
language accessible in meetings, you are also being inclusive. So you're making sure that you are including those members of your team whose English is not as good as yours. So it is a it's a an element of uh, inclusion. So it's a very important part, I think, of diversity and inclusion initiatives. But it's not often considered, if at all. So I think your point about English is a first language and, and you know, um, I've had the mic taken out of me over the years where people go, you're Scottish, so English isn't your first language, guffaw, guffaw. That's not very funny, actually. It's not very inclusive, does give you a sense of belonging. Um, you know, so I think it's such an important point around the accessibility and the inclusion piece, such a valid point. And it just reminds me, actually, again, of where, where we all met when we were doing at various stages of our doctorate and we were in the Great Hall at New College Oxford, which... By the way, lots of Christmas coming up, lots of folk going to watch Harry Potter. So some of the scenes, we three ladies um, met in the Great Hall there. So think of us as you're watching it. But the, but the conversation that you and I had about um, about your daughter when she was at uni, I don't know whether you just want to quickly tell that that story and then we'll and then we'll go on and talk about coaching. Yeah, well, um, my daughter, who is uh, my eldest daughter, I have two. My eldest daughter is now a civil engineer, um, and uh, you know, incredibly proud of that and of her um, but when she was at university and she was engaged in one of her first bits of group work and teamwork at university she was the only female in an all-male group and um, and she tried and tried many times to get her voice heard to put her ideas into you know this group work that we were doing um and she was you know consistently uh, overridden or you know at worst ignored by the other group members and uh, she became really upset and frustrated by it um but what was lovely is that one of the tutors um sort of took her to one side and said do you know what don't don't worry because i'm watching and i can see what's happening so you just dig deep and keep going and you know put your ideas across but i can hear them and i can see them and um for her that was a hugely valuable moment uh, for me when she was telling me I found it equally um, wonderful for her but also a bit depressing for me <laughs> you know having had all of that in in my life as I was growing up which is why inclusion I think has become such a big theme for me you know in my career um, and you know first of all I was a bit you know depressed really that her situation was really similar to mine at the same age um but i think that the perhaps the difference if you like in the generations is that people notice now and, it, and, know, and, and i remember it, you telling me that me that story over our scrambled eggs in the great hall um and it was brilliant because of course i'm researching female attainment at the time and so i remember saying to you oh my god i want to capture that story i really want to use it because it is it is those those stories and those examples of that sort of lived experience where you can have that experience and it should have gone through that and nobody had been paying attention and nobody had been listening and had kind of subtle subtly but nonetheless sort of intervened um, and stuff and thank goodness they did you know there is a greater level of sort of awareness around that um, but you just kind of you know if she hadn't had that experience and been given that boost her confidence to keep going and as you say dig deep and, and do it and so which is one of the reasons I think why 
coaching is so important, which I know we're going to come on and talk about in a second, because I know from my own personal experience, but like you, Alex, but like you, Tracy, in terms of, you know, the everyday sort of sexism and the barriers, bias and beliefs that we've, you know, kind of um, come across as we've gone through our careers in the last sort of 30 years is a lot of it still exists. But the difference is there is in some quarters, not everywhere, more awareness and, and more examples of it. And so I think if we leap sort of into the coaching conversation now, because I think there's probably going to be loads of examples of where coaching can have such a beneficial and such an, um, an impact, such an impact, basically, in terms of helping people understand how to, you know, how to perform better, how to find their voice, how to um, how to optimize their contribution in the workplace as a function of a great coach who can help them see things that they might not otherwise have seen. Um, and so, so let's let's lead into that, lead into that conversation now. So, Tracy, um, if I ask you first in terms of what, what I know you're so um, passionate about it, as I mentioned earlier, you've, you've written a book about leadership and coaching, which is fabulous. What, why is it so important to you, and what do you think it takes to be a good coach? Um, I think the easiest way to talk about why coaching is important is to, is to give you a bit of an analogy, really. Um, so, so a comparison in people's minds. So if you think about, I don't know, um, a great football team, Tim Henman or, or Andy Murray, you know, going to, to Wimbledon or, you know, somebody in, in an Olympic team. So if you think about those kinds of people and the work that they do and where they're trying to get to in their lives, what you know already is they're good at what they do. They're really good at what they do. They're the top flight of what they do. And in our minds, it's not a surprise at all that the first thing that those kinds of people do in order to be an elite athlete is get a coach, a great coach. And we all get that. We all get that. And we, we none of us would... Um, would have a problem with um, thinking that that would be the first step in getting to gold medal position or getting my place um, in the FA Cup final or whatever that is. What we would also think odd is if a football team won the FA Cup and they didn't have a coach, that would be really odd. So that kind of analogy is really helpful because although the tips and techniques and the tools and the processes between business and leadership coaching and sports coaching are different, the principle is not different. It's about elite. It's about getting to the best, being a gold medal winner, winning Wimbledon, winning the FA Cup in a business sense. And that's what coaching is and can bring. And yet we don't always translate that from a sporting analogy across into our, our business world. So that's why coaching is really important. Hmm. And, what, and what does it take to be a, so if you're the um, Serena Williams coach of uh, leadership and business, what, what does it take to be a good coach, Tracy? Well, there are two, there are two areas I think that you should look for in a great coach. One is, look for the qualifications and uh, continuing professional development of your coach. Interestingly, in the UK, you can call yourself coach even when you have no coaching qualifications. So if you want a great coach, look for somebody who studied that, who understands it, who, who knows what that means. Uh, look for somebody who's maintained their continuing professional development and look for somebody that uh, has their own coaching supervision and maintains membership of a, of a reputable professional body because a sportsman would look for that as well. A sportswoman. Or a sportswoman, of course, or a sports person. Yeah. Uh, 
and also then um, look for what they do. So great coaches are really, really skilled at building relationships, asking elegant and sophisticated questions. Uh, they're excellent listeners. So in a coaching relationship, your, your coach would probably only talk for about 20% of that coaching time. They would be listening for the rest. And they're people who are really skillful at challenging, at asking insightful, challenging questions, because the point is you come out of coaching doing something different. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. I mean, that's the principle for me. So, so that's what you need in terms of, of, of great coaching. Oh, makes sense and, and what you're saying there resonates I've had a couple of great coaches over the last 10 years so that certainly resonates with me and, and Alex for you what what does what's what do you love about it what's important what makes a great coach uh, well um firstly echo absolutely everything Trace has just said um but just a couple of additional things to add uh, in terms of why coaching is so important I think the the coaching um, moment and the coaching relationship uh, gives gives uh, the leader time to think. That time to think helps them make better decisions. It helps them to think about ethical dilemmas they might be struggling with. Um, it helps them to uh, revisit their own personal values and what their leadership identity is. Um, uh, and then, you know, with all of that in the mix, you know, they will emerge out the other side as a more resonant, authentic leader. So that's why I think coaching is is important, uh, particularly at the leadership level. Um, in terms of uh, what does it take to be a coach, literally everything Tracy said. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, interestingly, um, probably would be about um, probably nearly ten years ago. Now, I actually completely fell out of love with coaching. Um, and the reason uh, I realised after the event was that I hadn't actually fallen out, fallen out of love with coaching. What I had fallen out of love with was uh, the myriad of unqualified, unprofessional coaches that I was bumping up against in, in networking scenarios. And I started to feel actually very uncomfortable with calling myself a coach because I didn't want other people to think that I was like them. Um, and so I backed away from coaching as a profession for a couple of years until people started to say to me, why aren't you doing this anymore, Alex? You're so good at it. Um, and Alex, I really need you. Can we have another coaching session? You know, you really helped me a couple of years ago. And those kind of comments got me back into it. And then I think with the beauty of hindsight, I thought, well, you know, as I just said, I hadn't actually fallen out of love with coaching. I'd fallen out of love with people that did it badly. I was just going to say that one of the things that's also happened um, in the world of late is that a number of other professions are calling what they do coaching. Um, and, and of course, it, it isn't coaching in that developmental um, leadership growth way. So, for example, delivering apprenticeships or, or vocational qualifications are calling their assessors coaches. Um, but but it's not the same thing. I think a, num a number of, um, of business and academic institutions call tutors or um, mentors coaches too. So I think it's a use of language which which can be quite confusing. I think last moment we've had a few requests for coaching, which is one of the reasons why we're talking about it today. And we're actually in the year going to launch our own coaching um, uh, services because 
you know people have said to me can you coach me and I'm like I'm not I'm not a coach I'm not a trained qualified um coach and look I know everything's not about qualifications these days but I think when you're coaching you're dealing if you're doing it well and you're doing it holistically you're dealing with the whole person and I think it's very easy for people who are well-intended but not trained and not qualified to go into realms of people's life psychology you know the psychological well-being and and straying into territory that's actually really quite complex and sensitive and very important it's it's done well and so that's why I'm like I'm happy to have a conversation I'm happy to talk about mentoring but I am not a qualified coach and so if you want a qualified coach now I can say we've got some in the team but but Tracy I know that's something that you feel passionate about as well it is absolutely and I think you've hit the nail on the head around that that holistic approach not all business coaches work from a holistic um perspective and I'm not I'm, I'm not making any judgment around good bad better worse here but certainly I, I feel very passionately that business and leadership coaching must come from a holistic perspective so a number of coaches business coaches will will look at the business context only uh, and a behavioral approach it's pretty easy to change someone's behavior in the workplace uh, but if you're not looking at someone holistically, in other words, we are the same person in work as out of work. You know, our behaviours might change between contexts, of course, but we're, we're still the same person. And ultimately, if people are growing and developing through coaching, it will always impact all aspects of their life, not just the bit of their life where they are at work. So, so there is a, a must for me around the human aspect of business and leadership coaching, because when when you're in that relationship with an individual you're not you're not in that relationship with only the part of the person that's at work it's all of the person holism is is and and person-centered i guess is what we're talking about perspective is is crucial for me in in leadership and executive coaching sure i think so it's a massive philosophical thing certainly that's my perspective on it as well alex what's what's your thoughts yeah well i was reminded when tracy was talking about the the there's a lot of research in terms of um, the neuroscience or the neuroscientific aspects of coaching. And um, what neuroscience will tell us is that the key is in the relationship, as, as Tracy has said. And by the relationship, I mean the relationship between coach and coachee, the person-centered nature of that relationship, which is the most important aspect of coaching um, and then neuroscience tells us a little bit more also about how to make change stick um, and Tracy was me mentioning the sort of behavioral approach to change um, which is you know if you, you probably know the story of um, Pavlov's dogs where you know Pavlov trained his dogs to expect food at the ringing of the bell and then um, you know got to the point where the he would just ring the bell and the dogs would start salivating immediately um and so it's a connection between you know the external stimulus and and the reward which is the behavioral approach um and um, you know there's a fair amount of evidence to say that that changes that are brought about in that way are actually only temporary you know or, or limited to a kind of reward response reward kind of um scenario 
whereas the kind of change that um, you know Tracy does in her coaching, for example, uh, with this more holistic relationship approach, will get a, a much a longer term change because there will be a connection uh, between the 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 persons you know it's the holistic approach as Tracy was saying but there will be a connection between the uh, the person's values the person's identity the person's you know sense of perceived sense of purpose in life um, and their strengths as an individual as well and you put all of that in a package to um, to make the change and you'll find the change is a lot stickier in that way mm, absolutely i've never got people that go for coaching and it's all about right what's your three goals let's accomplish your three goals it all just seems very sort of very surface and very well for me that just doesn't land but but tracy tell us more about your holistic approach well, I was just reflecting as, as Alex was speaking that, it, it, you know, you can see it playing out um, in, in, in someone's actual life as you're coaching them. So a few or well, many years ago, I coached a, a, a pretty senior manager who had come to coaching um, following their annual uh, appraisal, that, that kind of uh, thing. And the, 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 the person's line manager had said, look, you know, I really think you need to do a bit of work on your assertiveness. Um, I think that would help push you forward, make you, you know, more ready for promotion. So we did some coaching work. And um, uh, I remember that uh, midway through uh, our sessions, uh, the guy came and, and we, t we talked about the fact that the work, the development and the growth around assertiveness that he was making was, was being well received at work and was, was fantastic and really not well received at home because uh, he had a relationship that was founded on the place where he was at the inception of that relationship. So the, the increased assertiveness was obviously playing out in all aspects of his life and was negatively impacting on his relationship outside of that. Now that potentially could have derailed all of the work that we were doing if we, if we hadn't have had a holistic approach to that. Uh, and we had talked about holistic approaches, we talked about uh, and prepared for uh, change happening in, in all aspects of, of, of his life. So it wasn't a big deal at the time, but had we not done that, it could have been a massive disaster in that person's life. Absolutely, because sometimes it's the sort of, I guess it's the unintended consequences of yeah. starting anything that's gonna result in behavior change um, and what's the knock-on effect to that, whether it's professionally, whether it's personally, you know, combination of the two. Um, it's, it's really something to, to consider in terms of are people at a point in their life when they're ready to embark on this um, because they're ready for the change because I don't, I think if you're working with a really good coach, you are going to see change. It might not happen, you know, in the first first month even. I know I am, um, I engaged with a coach, gosh, um, quite a long time ago now, but um, when I felt incredibly unfulfilled, I love my job, love my work, love the nature of the massive sense of purpose from it. But I'd hit, a, I'd hit a kind of professional executive wall, if you like, and I just felt hugely unfulfilled it was really difficult to explain and, and now I kind of look back and I think I was probably suffering from from burnout um and particularly the emotional exhaustion part of burnout and so what I did I actually read this article um and I think it was psychologies or something like this and it was a coach that was effectively talking about whole person um coaching and so I engaged with that coach and I saw that coach for years and she was brilliant in terms of helping me achieve some fundamental shifts in 
my thinking in the current context, but actually partly how she did that was be, because we, we revisited really old stuff, um, you know, old stuff that was actually acting as a limiting belief. Um, you know, I mean, I was kind of parented in the kind of who do you think you are <laughs> school of upbringing um, sort of stuff, which uh, we know there could be quite a, a kind of gendered element to that. And so when I'd internalized some of those messages and actually I was getting in my own way and so far as I wasn't optimizing the way that I could deal with. Um, now, look, I, I, you know, I, I think I had a boss who had his foot on my head, which is where the, you know, the glass boot boss um, theory comes from and, and the research. Um, and that almost sounds like the start of a pantomime, doesn't it? Or the name for a pantomime. <laughs> There's a thought, maybe next year, ladies. But, but you know, that, that coaching um, uh, experience enabled me to not just resolve what was happening, happening in the current context and see it with fresh eyes and a different perspective, it actually really helped me realize that there was some 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 old shit, <laughs> some stuff I needed to kind of work through that, you know, my mother had always, I think, been well-intended. But I, th I think sometimes the way that some things get positioned when we're, when we're kids, be it in our family of origin, be it in, you know, an educational setting or whatever, that actually can act as a massive blocker. And we don't realize 20 years later, you know, we're kind of, we're almost, you know, tripping ourselves up because we haven't processed, we haven't moved through that. And so that that was hugely beneficial for, for me in terms of in, in that experience and moving through stuff. So what would um what would you both say? Give me a great example, obviously completely anonymized, but give me a great example of somebody, so Tracy, you touched on it a minute ago, but somebody that you've worked with or an organization that you've worked with who's really got um the the purpose and the nature of coaching and they've embraced it either for an individual or you know broader um coaching program and the whole organization G give me an example so our listeners can really get a kind of sense of how how coaching can be quite transformational tracy well um the 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 best way to engage with coaching is when someone comes along voluntarily you know, when, when they said, right, I'm at a point in my career, I want some coaching, I, you know, I'm ready to become elite, I, you know, move forwards, develop and so on. But unfortunately, some organisations um, put people forward for coaching as a remedial thing. So it's come off the back of a grievance or a problem. That's not ideal. However, um, I've never had anyone come to coaching that hasn't gone away with something positive around that, even under those circumstances. So I'm just minded as you, as you were talking there of a, a chap that I coached again a number of years ago now who was working uh, in, a, in a care setting but didn't come from a care background. And there had been uh, a number of uh, loose complaints around his manner and style and attitude in, in his leadership. And it was kind of hindering uh, his performance uh, as well as his career in, in that sense. So, um, I can honestly say he wasn't a willing uh, engager with, with the coaching, but became so over time. And we did a lot of work together and we did have to go back and revisit. He, he had been uh, the manager of a sports um, complex prior to that role and had clearly, you know, was a big guy, rugby player, uh, had obviously been, uh, I don't know what you'd call a jock at school, you know, or, you know, physically big, uh, with a big personality uh, and a big kind of sports focused style really which didn't go down well in a mostly female oriented care setting so we did a lot of work around um, awareness um, awareness of our physical and psychological positioning in terms of interaction and conversation 
And, uh, you know, we, we, we came out with a, a, a pretty happy ending, uh, but he left, um, he left the, the, the sector after that uh, and went on to pastures new, but he messaged me some months later to say, just wanted you to know that as uh, I, I have decided to move on, but uh, I've had it written into my contract that one of my requirements in my new role is that I must have coaching. Brilliant. Well, great, great success story in terms of seeing, having the impact, but also seeing the value as a, as a continued part of his professional development. Yeah. Lots of stories like that. Alex, what, what would yours be? I, I was thinking, okay, so if I was to say there was, you know, just, just one real success story, you know, who would I be thinking about? Um, and a young woman sprang to mind. I'm going to have to be, obviously, bearing in mind coaching confidentiality. I'm going to have to give a fairly sort of loose description, really, of, of her scenario. Um, uh, but she came from a culture, a, a national culture, where um, women um, didn't really have a voice. Um, and it was quite challenging. She, she was on the senior leadership team of a large organization, which um, was um, the background of that organization was mainly American and British. Um, and she came from a different culture to that. Um, and, uh, and she came from a culture where women's voices generally were not heard. Women were generally expected to be quieter you know, in terms of their communication style, communication skills, um, but she was highly qualified um, and absolutely the expert in the room. Um, but there was lots of, you know, gender and cultural dynamics going on in the room that were preventing her from speaking um, and preventing her from sharing her expertise and putting her point of view forward. And with the coaching, we uh, we explored a great deal of different aspects really about her as a person in terms of her cultural identity, you know, um, her, her gender, her uh, communication skills, her expertise, you know, created a vision of her being, uh, still being her, you know, but being the expert um, and being able to share that with confident communication. And, um, and I shared with her lots of, you know, communication models, intercultural models, leadership models, all of which resonated to her to a certain degree and helped her put into words, you know, what she was thinking, what she was feeling and how she wanted to better communicate. And, you know, the end of the story is a very, uh, a very, um, uh, you know, a very positive end to the story in terms of, you know, a few months later, I was asked to observe her in uh, in her scenario where she was communicating to the board and she communicated um, you know with her nice sort of gentle style shall we say but assertively positively um, she was holding space holding the floor um, and she was being listened to and so you know if I think of a real coaching success story that's the one that jumps into my mind I love that I love that just that sort of you go on that coaching journey and it's the story of the sort of the, you know the, the transformation the um you know coming through the um you know are getting the benefit of of that coaching intervention that coaching input and being able to perform at a level that's still very true to who you are as an individual 
um you don't become a different person you don't want to become a different person you just want to become the best version of who you are so you can live your purpose and you know live your values and just both fantastic stories thank you thank you so much for sharing and so we're almost at the end of our coaching uh, conversation for our christmas special uh, but before we wrap up, ladies, I want to just um, take an opportunity to uh, ask you just very quickly in terms of the, as we come into this COVID Christmas, as we said at the start of the podcast, um, very different Christmas for people, different Hanukkah, different season, you know, for everybody this this year. So what would be your, from a, um, we're moving off of coaching now because obviously as coaches, you, you don't tell people what to do. You don't give, don't even give them tips or advice. You've got to pull that out of the, the coachee. Um, but so let's talk more about communication. So what would be your top three tips for effective communication in a semi-lockdown, not lockdown, bubbles, no bubbles, be like, no, don't really take the government advice. But whatever it is, as we come up to Christmas, the five days of Christmas, I think we're talking about, um, what would be your top communication tips, Tracy? Uh, well, my top three communication tips would be based on behave like a coach. So I'm going to tell you what I mean. So there's a lot of things that I could mean by that. So my top three things that, that, that I mean, so my top three things of behaving like a coach. Number one, listen more than you speak. So weigh it up. If you're doing more of the talking, you are by definition doing less of the listening. So it's always good to stop talking, listen more. Because you'll really hear what people are saying to you then. You won't be making it up, you won't be assuming, you'll really hear what people are saying. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, stop giving advice and ask a question instead. And again, that will help you uh, a, not to hack people off because you, you're constantly giving them advice that they don't want or need, but also people want to be understood. They want to be seen for who they are and understood. And asking a question can help you to do that lots better. And then number three, get creative. If you're working with a coach, they'll help you to be much more creative than you might have been otherwise. So to get through COVID Christmas this year, we're going to have to be so much more creative than we ever have been before. So think about doing things differently. Don't try and think, what do I always do at Christmas? Because you might be disappointed this year. What could you do differently? What's creative? What's innovative for you this year that you might just try and find you like better? So those are my top three. They're they're wonderful. And I'm going to act on all three of those and give my teenage daughter a significantly better Christmas than she might have if I hadn't asked you that, Tracy. And also, was it Steve Jobs that said back in that famous um, advertising campaign back in the 80s, think different. That's what we all need to be doing this Christmas. And Alex, what would, what, what's your story? Well, it's, it's very similar to Tracy's. It was, it's about loving and listening. So Tracy was saying about, you know, asking more questions then I was thinking, well, the kinds of questions you could ask are things like, you know, asking your family, your family members, what kinds of things they value, what's important to them. Um, ask them about their interests and, you know, or what's grabbing their interest now. Ask them if their interests have changed this year because of what's, what's happening. Um, ask them 
about their jobs, about their work, about are they using their strengths at work and what more could they do to, to use their strengths more at work or at home or with the family. Ask them about what excites them, uh, what would make them want to jump out of bed in the morning. Um, and, uh, and then as Tracy says, you know, when you're asking those questions, then really, really listen to the replies, like proper listen, really okay. deeply listen. Brilliant, brilliant. So listening is a massive one, loving, asking great questions and really caring about what the response is and, and what people say. And so maybe less material things this year and more meaning. Would that, would that be a fair way to, to sum it up? That's a summary. Mm. Wonderful, thank you. Hopefully our listeners are gonna benefit from those top tips as we enter COVID Christmas. I know I certainly, certainly will. So thank you to Tracy. Thank you to Alex. It's been fabulous to have you on the podcast. And it's just reminded me of all those wonderful conversations we used to have in the Great Hall at New College Oxford. So let's have many more of those in, in the new year. But thank you so much. But thank you to you for listening. Happy Christmas and happy Hanukkah and season's greetings for, for everybody uh, when the time comes over the next few weeks. Please leave a comment on our podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to head over to our website, which is www.glassmoon.co.uk to see our latest blogs. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and please do keep up with our latest news. Thanks very much. <laughs>